Welcome on into the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 11 of Off the Course, the podcast that dives into the everyday lives of superintendents, agronomy directors, and other turf heads. I'm Matt Lowell, managing editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, joined today by Stacy Baker. Stacy is a veteran West Coast superintendent with runs at clubs in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and California. He also worked six months earlier this year on the construction side of the industry for five months at a course in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and for another month at the new PGA of America headquarters in Frisco, Texas. We talk about what he learned working on the other side, how he handled the early days of COVID-19 on the road, and how he returned home to the wildfires currently ravaging the West Coast. We also talk about the value of stepping back. I talked with Stacy last year for a story in our June 2019 issue titled The Thrill of the Turf. Great read, a lot of great perspective. And if you have some extra time this week, go into our archives and check it out. That story focused on superintendents who had left and returned to the industry. Uh, Stacy has taken three sabbaticals during his career, all of them of varying length and for different purposes, and the lessons learned during those sabbaticals, I think, are always applicable to anybody, no matter your industry or position. That initial conversation also inspired, in part, this podcast. There might not be an off-the-course without that first conversation with Stacy Baker, so it is a thrill to have him as a guest on this podcast. Before we get into the conversation, my thanks to AquaAid Solutions, the title sponsor of Off the Course. They've been a leader in innovative solutions for nearly 40 years. Their desire to lead and innovate for turf managers continues with their current research collaboration with Dr. Jim Brosnan of the University of Tennessee and Phenotype Screen Corporation. Through that collaboration, utilizing x-ray technology, turf managers are provided a definitive look into how Worm Power Turf provides a more robust root system that has more mass and deeper roots than a plant not exposed to the product. Visit IWantDeepRoots.com, IWantDeepRoots.com, to see the groundbreaking research and the value Worm Power Turf brings to your agronomic program. Stacy Baker, after the break. That's what, kind of, what, however you want to say it. That's what 
got me, you know, excited about going to the the course every day. And uh, so I thought, well, I really want to do that. And so I joined up with a construction company and went to work on a project uh, back in Oklahoma and basically redid, rebuilt all their greens, uh, rebuilt all their bunkers, several tees, and uh, was just a really exciting time, especially during all of this craziness. You know, I mean, we were basically on 200-acre property plus, and, uh, you know, 12 people, you know, maybe the golf course crew was maybe three people to four people, and then our crew was maybe six to 12 at any time. So we were all just completely isolated, really. I mean, we didn't even really know what was going on um, as far as COVID and all that. I mean, we knew about it and this and that, but we were still working. And um, like I said, we were really isolated from all of that. Uh, so that was kind of a component of it. But the, the construction side of it was just something that I, I think uh, that was just, you know, something that I wanted to do. So that was a, a component that I just really felt was a, how should I say, like a um, development of extending my knowledge of the industry and and how things are done, big-scale construction. So that's kind of what I did there. I mean, that was just like a wealth of experience. Well, let's start. You were in Oklahoma. Did you say it was six months you were in Oklahoma before you came back home to Northern California? I was in I was in Oklahoma for five, and then I did okay. I uh, I did a month in Dallas on the new PGA course uh, on the new course that the PGA is building. Uh, for their national headquarters. So they're moving from Orlando to basically north of Dallas, which is Frisco, a, a suburb of Dallas, and uh, spent some time there on that project and uh, then came home because it was like, you know, my girlfriend's basically telling me that she's got the dogs packed up and <laughs> the house packed up and she's been told to get evacuated and this and that. So, yeah, I came back here just because it was like, what's going on, you know? So, um, yeah, I kind of came back home just to reboot a little bit. Plus, the project was over and, um, you know, it just kind of in the construction business, you're just waiting for the next job. There is so much to unpack just from that and just from the the few minutes of you describing your first real foray into the construction side of things going full time on that you you went out to Oklahoma in early March in in mid March like just right before everything took off with with covid-19 yes i i literally got in the car march 2nd oh my and gosh. drove I drove out there and then it was probably, what, a couple weeks, 10 days or something right. like that. And it was like, hey, they're saying everything's going to be shut down, this and that. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, living in a hotel room. And uh, going, like I said, to a site that it's basically we're all by ourselves, really. The course was closed, 
so there's no golfers, there's nothing like that. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, go on the little supermarket that you could actually buy anything, you know, you just get whatever you can get to, uh, uh, put in the microwave and, uh, you know, eating macaroni and cheese and, uh, and getting up and doing it again the next day. So yeah, it was, it was pretty isolated. I mean, as far as the COVID is concerned. You're eating about as well as my four-year-old for most dinners. Yeah. Her, her favorite dishes is, is Kraft macaroni and cheese. So, Oh, yeah. You're yeah, in, yeah. in that vein. Yeah, the, the, totally. And, you know, whatever else you could, you know, bottled water and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but, yeah, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was an amazing experience as far as uh, the actual learning and managing crews of different language base and, and really having to communicate in a different level, um, you know, learning how to get the translate app on your phone and, mm. <laughs> and, work, and work a lot with that. And, uh, you know, but yeah, no, the boys, they really got, I, I had a couple come and go shapers and things like that. Um, I don't know if, but I mean, you're probably in, a, you know, probably understand what all that is. But, anyways, so, but I had a couple of really great shapers, and, um, you know, one of them in particular, what had come up to me at some point was just like, you don't understand. He's like, these guys really respect you. They really are, you know, they're really going to, going to battle for you. And I'm like, what? I don't really understand what you mean. He's like, no, you, you don't understand. He's like, you're not like the rest of these guys, the rest of the construction superintendent. He's like, you're, you're really well, you know, balanced and you're, and you're, and you're good and you're nice and you know, you're a good person and this and that. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> I've only been a golf course superintendent for 20 plus years, but you know, that's kind of how I've always ran my, you know, golf courses. So, um, that was kind of, that always made me feel good that it was like, okay, so we're all just trying to get this project done and we don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to feel like you're in a, that I'm the prison warden and you guys are on it, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, so that was weird for me a little bit, like that they weren't used to having somebody with compassion and, and, um, you know, that wasn't a, a mean boss, you know, to so to speak. So I think that was a real culture thing difference where I don't think that's prevalent in the, the industry, in the construction side of golf. I don't think it's, that's prevalent. I think it's rare. Yeah, I've, I've talked with some architects and some builders but haven't dived in nearly as deep to that side of the industry, obviously, as uh, maintenance and, and superintendents and directors. If, if folks aren't familiar with your background, I mean, as you said, you've been in this almost 30 years. Uh, I think you started out kind of working in the summers in Colorado at uh, Boulder Country Club and Welsher Golf Course, but then as a superintendent, you were at and, and fill in any of the blanks. Uh, that I'm leaving out here, because I know you had a few stops. You were at Riverside Golf and Country Club in Portland. You were at Tumwater Valley Golf Club 
near Olympia, Washington. You were at uh, Table Mountain Golf Club in Oroville in California, Peachtree Golf and Country Club in Marysville. Uh, until early 2019, you were the director of agronomy for Morton Golf. You oversaw everything, all uh, maintenance at the McKenzie Course in Arcade Creek, at Higgins Oaks in Sacramento. Uh, so pretty much everything in, in the mountains and the West Coast. Am I leaving anything else out, Stacy? No, no. I mean, basically, I started in the industry uh, at, when I was 13, mm-hmm. and I started as a caddy. And That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I used to ride my bike up, not far, but enough of a distance, and uh, I, I caddied at a, a club called Green Gables Country Club, and uh, that's where I started. I mean, I didn't even really know much. I just, my dad just told me you need to get a job in the summer. And I said, okay. So I did that. That's the first time I got into golf and caddied the entire summer and, uh, did that whole side of it. And, uh, I only did that for that one summer. And then when I was probably 17, I was, you know, again, you need to get a job for the summer. And so then that's when I went and worked at a, a club called Arrowhead, and uh, I drove out there, and I worked at Arrowhead Country Club for two summers when I was in high school for my junior and my senior year, and I, when I went there, I knew I want, I didn't want to be on the, <clears throat> on the, as they say, the sweater folder side of it or whatever, so that's when I got onto the maintenance department and learned very quickly how it, how the business worked and, and came up pretty quick just as job assignments and things like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of, I kind of like this. And then, uh, when I went to college, same thing, that's where, you know, during, uh, when I went to the university of Colorado that a couple summers there, I worked at Boulder country club and continued that. And then when I graduated, I was, um, I basically inherited a division of my family's company to run and did that for a couple of years. And then Anheuser-Busch decided to get rid of that particular brand and sold out. And so we were, I was basically got a phone call on a Friday afternoon saying, Hey, sell all your products and uh, we're done. And I said, what do you mean we're done? And I said, well, you're done. Okay, so kind of figured out that there was no more. And uh, so anyways, after a little bit of time, I said, you know what, I think I'm just going to go back to the courses. And that's what you can kind of see on the resume where I just, you know, went back and started working on the golf courses. And, yeah, I, I did the Colorado thing for a little bit, and it was too seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. It was like, okay, you know, I work, and then I get laid off. And I was like, I can't do this. I, so for, I did two seasons of golf maintenance in Colorado, and then in the winters I would throw bags around for United Airlines. I'd go out to the airport, and, the, the, you know, the, uh, the brand-new Spankling DIA, and uh, I'd throw bags around. And then I'd go back to the course, 
the next season and then the next winter, I throw bags around and I just said, I can't do this. I can't do, you know, two different career kind of things. And I had some friends that I went to school with at the university that had moved up to Portland and they said, Bake, you got to come up to Portland. It's golf crazy up here. I go, what? They're like, yeah, there's 19 golf courses within the city limits of Portland. I'm like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I <clears throat> hopped in my car with, I think, I literally think I had a hundred bucks on me and, uh, got up there and, um, yeah, <clears throat> got hired right away at, uh, at Riverside Country Club and worked there for oof, three plus years or something. Anyways, during that time, that's when I was like, okay, I need to go. If I'm really going to pursue this, you know, and I want to be a superintendent, I've got to get some, you know, back. i got to get some schooling. So and that's when I did the uh, <clears throat> the Penn State. Back then, it, was, it wasn't it was quite as online as it is now, you know. <laughs> it was more correspondent kind of stuff. This was like 98, uh, 99, 2000? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, yeah, it was, it was definitely correspondent. And, uh you know, do your book work, and then you had to find a proctor, and uh, I, you know, I had a, one of the, thank goodness, one of the guys I was working with, his his uh, girlfriend slash, you know, wife at the time was uh, a teacher, like a second grade teacher, and so I would, they would mail her the packet for the exam, and I would go to her school and sit down in a little, little tiny desk you know, like the old ones that you can remember, and uh, take the test, and you know. So, anyways, I got you know, I got the turf grass knowledge that I needed, and I'd already had experience with you know whatever mowing greens or raking bunkers or whatever like that. But when I did the Penn State program in conjunction with working on the course at the same time. Every day became a field trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. like I'd, I'd, I'd read and I'd be, you know, do, finish a chapter or whatever, do this test. And then the next day I'm on the course and it, my, it just opened up my mind and my, the world just started opening up as far as golf course maintenance. I was just like, oh, okay, I see everything now. You know, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. And I understand what this is going on. I understand why we're doing this. And so it just got to be, you know, <laughs> like, like I said, every day was a field trip. I think it just ties back. I mean, when you're doing this construction work in Oklahoma and the crew is saying, we've never worked for somebody like you, we actually appreciate and enjoy working with you. I think your history, it all, it all ties in, you know, coming in as a caddy at 13, working summers at 17. Uh, having to have a second job for a while to supplement the golf uh, work when you were just out of college, taking off and, and driving straight to Portland on a whim to dive even more into the industry. Uh, I don't want to say it's a humble background, but it's it's maybe a humbling background in some of the things that, that you've done and, and some of the experiences that you've racked up on your resume. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's just all... It's just all true. You know, it's not anything that's not there. I mean, I think I still, I mean, since I've been home, 
these last couple of weeks, um, I still have employees call me. I mean, I was, got off the phone yesterday with, a, 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 you know, people that I've groomed. So one of the things I want to say, okay, is when I was coming up the ladder, I worked for a lot of superintendents that held people down mm-hmm. and were intimidated or I don't know if that's what it was, but I think that's what it was and just held people down. And I swore that if once I got into that role, I was never going to hold people down. And so when I was a superintendent for many years, I built everybody up and I wanted them. I, I told them all the time, I want you to have my job. I want you to take my job. Not literally like my job here, <laughs> but if that's the case, then then that so be it. But I want you to have my job, and so I've always been a teacher on on the golf course, just always teaching my guys up. I mean, when I was at Hagen, working into the director of a ground position, we had four major properties, mine being the biggest. Um, you know, two golf, two golf courses, a three hole park course but when I had to go out and fill position superintendent positions for the other courses they the best candidates were my assistants and I never really called them assistants they weren't an assistant superintendent they were just staff and but they were the best candidates and so to this day I still have a little following or have all these you know have these people that have moved on into superintendent positions that I trained mm-hmm. and that's something I'm really proud of, you know, cause I never wanted to be, I never wanted my guys to be, and, I, and a female, I mean, I did not just, you know, guys, it's, you know, I never wanted anyone to be held down. I wanted them to grow and, um, and just teach. And that became pretty much the fun part at the end of my, you know, golf course superintendent career was just I just loved teaching and 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 it didn't matter if it was an equipment technician you know showing somebody how to grind reels or you know set up a mower or just I just loved the whole teaching thing and I still do and so then for me the construction side was okay I want to kind of go to graduate school you know like I really want to see how this is done because, like I said, I had done it in-house all the time and, you know, at a, at a fair level and you know, at a good level. But I was like, I want to really see how it's done. I want to see how you take a field full of uh, trees and weeds and, you know, all that and shape it into a golf hole and install the irrigation, which, you know, I had done. But it's just like I just wanted to see the whole process. It wouldn't matter if I saw one hole from beginning to end. And that, you know, that means all the way to the grassing of it and, uh, and, and getting it ready for actual play. But see multiple and see how the whole process runs. It was just, it, it was like I say, it was like graduate school. Like, yeah, they're, they're paying me. But for me, it was just, I was just wanted to take in all the knowledge. And, and like how it's done. And so um, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, that was a different step in my career, for sure. 
And how did that even come around, the graduate school of building and construction? Because you've taken some interesting sabbaticals and detours in your career. Uh, just last year, you took some time off uh, to get mentally and physically straightened away. You were working on your manuscript for a, a semi-autobiographical novel. A few years before yep. that, you, uh, you golfed and, and bass fished. Uh, I know for yeah. a while, and then there was you'd mentioned you ran a uh, an arm of your dad's company, Eagle Snacks. Uh, I think until about 1995, when Anheuser Busch just said, "Hey, we're we're done with this," and, and then you got back into golf. So you, you've taken these interesting sabbaticals, three so far over 25 years. But how did this right. how did this happen? How did how did this construction sabbatical come around, Stacy? It was just something that I I reached out to several companies. And just threw my resume at him. Okay. And I had one that wanted me and, and uh, wanted me to head to um, Oklahoma and and do a and run the project over there. And so I mean, it was nothing more than that. It just just happened. And so you know, I basically left the golf course I was working at at the time and went out and did this. And I, it was. Uh, it was, it was, it was super, super cool as far as a whole nother level to, you know, being a superintendent. And I look at it now as like, I knew what I was doing. I, I'm building my portfolio, you know, it's like, I, and now when I go and apply for a golf course superintendent job, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I built like, you know. 18 greens and whatever and it's not just like oh yeah i did a little in-house project it's like no i i know how to build a golf course so you know add that to the resume <laughs> and, and so i, I that's kind of why i was doing it and that's what i call it graduate school is it's like i don't think a whole lot of super there's few superintendents out there that have either been you know involved in their own course being rebuilt or whatever and in fact, that's what I felt was very, I thought one of the good things about being a superintendent and going into that side of the field is the superintendent that was at the, at the, at the project, he really appreciated that I got what he was going through, like that I could relate to what he was going through. And in fact, I was able to even educate him and build him up a little bit, which was fun. But there, there was that big value of being a superintendent for a long time when I was on that project because he felt very, very comfortable with me there because, you know, I could help him, especially during the growing. You know, we were, we were able to really talk through some stuff. And um, it, it was one of those things where superintendents, I mean, you probably know how it is, where superintendents don't like that give away too many of their secrets or something like that, yeah. you know. And, uh, but, you know, I would give him, you know, I'd just say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, have you thought about this? And, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it would be, I, we, we kind of started joking about it with the, my foreman and on the project. We are like, well, you got to give him about 36 hours. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, look at it, they're out there doing that, you know. <laughs> So it was like, he isn't going to just jump, you know, but he, we were able to not only do the 
the construction side of it, but then kind of help him and build him up agronomy-wise. And uh, so that was fun. Now that you've gone through this five-month project, what were, what were some of the highs and lows when you were on the site? The course is closed, you're working through COVID, and, and from the early stages of COVID on, whether it was outside or, or on the course, what were some of the highs and lows of this project? Well, for sure the highs were the, the, uh, the views, like just being out on the property, you know, just being out in the open air. Yeah, just the views, being in nature. I mean, you're basically on a nature preserve. And no one else is out there except, you know, like I said, maybe 12 people. And they're never really close together. I have two guys over here, two guys over here, two guys over there. For sure, just being outside on a golf course was the high. I mean, some of the some of the sunrises and, you know, just spectacular. So that was definitely the high. Well, and the other high was, like I said, educating and, mm-hmm. and bringing up that staff. I mean, I... I had the old 82-year-old mechanic come up to me one day and says, hey, I hear, you know, you're in Oklahoma, right? So they have got a little different twang. And I hear you were a superintendent for a while. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you can show me a little bit over here on this grinder? Show real? And I go, yeah. You know, oh, I said, Don, I'll set, I'll set you up. I'll hook you up. We'll get this grinder going and get this real going. I mean, I spent like a half a day, you know, supposed to be out there managing a project, which is fine. People, the guys are doing what they need to be doing. But, you know, I spent a good morning with this 82-year-old Oklahoman showing him how to set up, you know, the grinder and get his reels the way they should be and this and that. And so that was that was another, like, high. That was just fun, you know. I was like, okay, this is cool. The low was probably the Dallas Project. I mean, you're going from managing a eight to twelve man crew to a sixty person crew, and now you're basically your title is turf grass foreman, and you're basically just in charge of the grassing and getting it watered and getting it fertilized, and then walking away and going to the next hole. And so that was kind of the low for me because that's not really kind of what I signed up for. You know, I was like, no, I kind of signed up to do this, to run projects. And uh, that, that was pretty tough. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas was tough. You know, going from Oklahoma where it was just like complete open state, like they, there, there wasn't masks and there wasn't any closed dining or anything like that. And once it reopened, right? But when you went down to Dallas, it was closed. It was shut down. And it was right back to where it was beginning when I was in Oklahoma. It was just like, shoot, and crickets. I mean, well, you know. And so, you know, I did that and did what I was asked. And then, then all this stuff happened in California. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, my, my girlfriend saying I got... You know, I got the car packed up and the dogs and got everything, and, you know, and I'm going, what in the world? I got to get home. So that's when I came home. And uh, thank goodness, you know, because uh, she, needed, she needed me to be here. And so, 
you know, those are the types of things that I think, like, when I'm at the GCSA, when we're at the education conference, and when I'm on the executive committee for that task force, that's the things that I talk about is life balance. Like, mm-hmm. you, these guys get, these superintendents get burned out. They get burned out. And then, you know, you've got to have that balance. You have to take these timeouts. You have to. And then get, when you get back in it, you go full, you know, full throttle. But you've got to take some time off from time to time. And uh, and I think that people are always leery that they're not going to get back in. And it's like, no, you'll get back in. Trust me. There's always somebody that needs somebody. And, uh, and recharge, you know, recharge, you know, get back to your family. Um you know, like I think I've told you, like, basically I get up, I still get up about the same time every morning, you know, 3.34, you know, something like that, and walk oh, the dogs. Is. Yep, and walk the dogs, and all three of them now, because we inherited, huh. we inherited another one because my girl's dad passed away last year. But So I, you know, walk all three dogs and come back in and, you know, start making coffee and tea and then do my yoga, not really like yoga, but just stretching and this and that, and then go out and run as, as far as I possibly can and come back in and then uh, get the coffee made and get the girlfriend off to work and uh, and kind of just do what I'm doing with you right now, talking to people and writing and this and that. So, And then it, it won't be long. I'll be right back at it, you know, so... It's kind of to me. It feels like a little bit like I'm a like. A, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit like militaristic, you know, where it's like it's R and R, you know. It, it, five days of vacation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but you never even get off the phone, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm in Hawaii and I'm still taking phone calls from the GM and you know this and that, you know. It's like you need to completely separate and get away to really recharge and get your batteries right. And then, then you're back at it Then you're back to battle. And, uh, it's, it's something that a lot of guys do, but I found it to be really helpful and, you know, improving the quality of life. And, you know, my, my knowledge is there. So it, anyone that wants it and, and, the skill, and not only just the, the agronomy side of it, but, you know, all of it, the equipment, the setup, the teamwork, the, you know, all of that is there. So I'm not worried about getting a job, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's like I'll get a job when I want to get a job. During the the quieter times, like you said, between projects or between jobs. I remember when we talked last year, you had a rule where you would get up, like you said, normal time, 3.30, 4, take the dogs for a walk, go for a run, go for yoga, have breakfast, get to writing. And you would not bring your phone out of the drawer. You would physically put it in a drawer. You wouldn't bring it out until noon or thereabouts. Now, we talked today, we started at about 10 o'clock your time, so it's not noon, but what are your phone rules these days? It's pretty much the same thing. I keep, I keep, you can probably hear it. I keep, I keep having this alarm on there. So, um, 
pretty much the same thing. I mean, I just, I, I, I look at these kids today and I mean, it's just like, they're, con- I mean, I, yeah, no, it's the same thing. I guess I want to keep my phone and my girlfriend gets upset about it because it's like, you know, I they call you. And, uh, I, I just don't really, when I'm on these sabbaticals, it's like the phone is just, I don't care for it at all. And, you know, cause when you're in on the battle and, you're you're doing it. I mean, the thing is going twenty four seven, and you know you get forty text messages and you know fifty calls, and it's just like you know it is it is part of your thing. So it's like kind of just putting something away. It's, it's kind of like I don't know how to say it. Like it would be like putting away if you're if you're equating it to like a battle. It's like putting a weapon away. Like you're just putting it away, and you know. Just forget about it. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've never heard anybody equate a cell phone to a weapon, like a sword or anything in battle. But it makes perfect sense because of I don't want to get too deep philosophically on, on technology and everything, but the the effects that technology and your phone especially can have on you in rewiring your brain or you know, I, I keep I, I bring her up all the time, but my four year old likes to watch uh, a couple of shows on our phones on Netflix, or she's got like one or two coloring apps that she likes to use that are semi-educational. But you see the way that a four-year-old reacts to these things now compared to when I was four or when you were four, and it's completely different. And who knows what it's going to be in 10 or 20 years. So the the phone as a weapon of sorts, I think is a pretty apt analogy. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to, you have to set it down. If you're going to, if you're going to try to recharge, and you know, reboot. You, you just have to. You have to get rid of it. I'm sitting here with you and you know Miss Sophie, our 19 year old cat, and she's just chilling, and I'm outside. And if I wasn't on the phone with you, I'd be doing the same thing. But what I really want to do, Matt, I've got my dog ears now. Um, what I really want to do is I just want to be a professor. And there's really no avenue for that. So it's like, how do I go, how do I give the wealth of knowledge and experience to these young kids that are coming up? At this point, the next plan for me is I'm thinking about starting like a turf grass or golf course turf grass consulting company. And just, you know, going around and helping these young kids, you know, just giving them show up for, you know, three or four days and give them, you know, some insight. I mean, that's kind of, I think, the next step is I'm going to go back to my entrepreneurial days when I was a young kid and um, kind of extend my career that way. Um, I just really want to educate. And I, I don't think I could do that at the university level, but I could do it on a intimate level because that would keep me on the golf courses. That keep me out there getting those beautiful sunrises and, uh, you know, letting my dog run around and, uh, you know, just but not do the everyday grind of, you know, the superintendent life. Um, and, 
I'm not opposed to if the right opportunity, if the right opportunity came upon, I'm not opposed to going back to being a doctor superintendent. But I really, at this point, just want to educate. So if I can get into a role where I can educate these young guys and captain women, then that's where I would be very happy. How much of this was spurred on by your being in a long-term relationship with, you've mentioned her a few times, your girlfriend, Sherry. Uh, she's a high school English teacher, right? Yes, sir. So yeah. how how yeah. much of this is, is tied to being in a long-term relationship with someone who's in that education field, who works with young folks, who, who tries to pass along, you know, not just lessons about books and grammar, but, you know, life lessons and things you need to know for moving forward? Um, well, yeah, I think it was there before, okay. um, you know, but obviously, yeah, it's com- it, it's been elevated by, you know, being with a, you know, highly educated person, you know, and a partner. So, it, yeah, it's just, we just have this little university family that we just, you know, we have a lot of intelligent people that are around us, and so we just don't, we we don't fear educating people. And so it's, that's kind of where, where I'm going with the fact of, you know, I just want to get in back to the industry. I want to give back to the industry as much as I can. And the education is where I think it's at. And it's, it's not being a salesman, you know, it's not being, you know, this, because that's not educating a staff going in and trying to push Ten two six, you know, isn't going to educate anybody. It's about being there and really kind of showing them, you know, you know, the right way to do it. And um, and I'm not saying I know it's the right way, but I've been pretty successful in it. And now I've got the construction side on top of it, and it's like, okay, I want to teach these young kids and the right company, the right person going to see that so i don't worry about getting back in you know what i mean it's about what do i really want to do when i get back in Mm -hmm. in terms of education you've you've mentioned this a few times in getting on the phone with sherry when you were in oklahoma and then in texas and her saying stacy i think you need to get back we've we've kind of worked around this for the last 40 or so minutes you are out in Northern California, and not to timestamp this podcast too much, but we're talking in mid-September. The fires are raging out there. I think folks all over the country have seen the crazy skies up and down the Pacific coast, especially from Northern California to really into Seattle, and I don't know, maybe Southern Canada as well. Uh, What is it like out there? Like, you, you left at the start of COVID, and now you've come back at the at the height of these, not well, may, maybe not the height, but uh, this moment of of wildfires out out west. What is it like? Uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, it 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 gets some days where you know, you you, you look at the uh, Sherry will be like, oh, the, the health index or whatever is three nine three twenty nine or something like that. The air quality is like three twenty nine. And then the next day it's 319 or, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's 
really crazy numbers when you look at whatever they call the, the health index and uh, the air quality. And uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen <clears throat> I haven't seen blue sky until I went up on my fishing trip um, last week. Uh, but yeah, you don't you, you don't see blue sky. <laughs> it's like being in some other planet. It's uh, it's, it's eerie. I mean, you don't you barely see the stars, um, if at all, and uh, it's it's pretty smoky. I mean, it's it's thick, and uh, there's times where you know when you're traveling, it, it it it's really eerie. I mean, I should send you a video that I took. Um, I've never been anything like it in my life. It is so thick of smoke. Um, and we're all, I mean, we just got ourselves, we just bought a air purifier from Amazon, just got here yesterday, you know, we, we hooked that up, you know, and so, and I think you can tell by my voice that, you know, it's a little, you know, raspy and, you know, your sinuses are just, you know, <laughs> my goodness gracious. And, you know, it's, you know, and then to have, you know, just continuing with the COVID and, you know, masking everywhere. And, and, you know, when we go into town for, you know, dinner or something like that, it's just, it's just, it's just bizarre. It's just a complete different world. And, uh, yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I mean, but, you know, we're just, we're, we're getting through it and we're like, okay, we're moving to Idaho. You know, <laughs> we're moving to Montana. You know, we're we're we don't think we'll be here much longer. I mean, it'll be a couple of years probably, but yeah, it's a, it's rough, it's rough. Let me tell you. Are you able to still run, or like you said, now you've gone from from two dogs to three dogs, uh, Amber, Sadie, and I don't know this this new dog who you inherited. Oh, yeah, Butch. Butch. Yeah, Butchy. Yeah, Butch. Are you able to, to still take the dogs for walks every morning, or, or is that kind of curtailed with the lack of air quality right now? No, we're just all doing it, you know. We're, mm-hmm. it, but it's just kind of, you know, we're all just kind of wondering what's going to be the long-term effect of all this, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't escape it, you know. It's, you can't just sit in the house. And so, I mean, it's just kind of like, uh horrible but yeah I, um no i mean you just you go about it you know as you as you would um it was really interesting though that my my travels back from texas all the way back to uh home here in cali to see how each state is dealing with covid and dealing with the wildfires because the wildfires are happening in new mexico you know, they're happening in Colorado, you know, so it was the entire journey was just kind of like precarious and, you know, full of like, oh my goodness, am I going to have to turn around Oh, this road's blocked or this, you know, this and that. So it's not just here. So it, it, it's like just the entire West is on fire. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular as far as a time in history. Are you able to, with indoor activities, when we talked last year, you'd mentioned you were working on your manuscript, semi-autobiographical novel, Off the Green, and I know I mentioned before we started recording, 
I think subconsciously, I didn't overtly name this podcast after your book, but yours is off the green, this is off the course, uh, maybe subconsciously months after we talked, but are you are you still working on that as well, writing in addition to everything else? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Um, I, I basically, you know, I'll try to put a couple hours in every day, okay. you know, and just kind of, and it just keeps getting... You know, I you know I just keep formulating other stuff, and it definitely is like autobiography, but not you know I'm not putting my name on it. You know, as far as it'll be more like a Mark Twain thing, you know, and so it, it yeah for sure, and uh, yeah very much enjoy that. I've actually even started another one, like you know I kind of got another thing going, but yeah definitely doing the writing. And then a little bit of job searching and, you know, looking at opportunities and things like that. And then uh, going to the market and getting food for dinner and getting it ready. (laughs) It's kind of the day. But, you know, after six months in a hotel and, you know, on a golf course and being away from your family, it's just so refreshing be back home and just enjoying it and then getting ready for the next battle. Well, Stacy, fantastic to catch up with you and to hear that for the most part, despite the wildfires, despite COVID, uh, you're doing well, you're still able to run, practice yoga, take those great dogs for a walk and, and, and get some writing done. Fantastic. Fantastic to hear and, uh, and glad everything's going well for you. Yep, and I'm just, like I said, I'm just looking forward to getting out and educating and building new superintendents and uh, getting some quality experience with uh, individuals and uh, teaching them teamwork and that kind of stuff. My thanks again to veteran superintendent and construction newbie Stacy Baker for his time for his stories, for his perspective, for sharing some of the lessons he has learned over his decades in the industry. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. My thanks also to AquaAid Solutions, the title sponsor of Off the Course, and to all of you for listening to Off the Course and all of the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network, Greens with Envy, Beyond the Page, and the original Tartan Talks. For Guy Cipriano and the rest of the crew here at Golf Course Industry Magazine and the Superintendent Radio Network, I'm Matt Lowell. Thanks so much for listening.